everybody and welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and this time I'll be talking about AI.2, the second of my pods about what's going on with AI that should have people concerned. The first thing I have to talk about is we have been receiving information about AI for quite some time. And we have been downplaying or ignoring that while people have been working with outsourced teams at their jobs, which are being replaced by AI. And administrative functions are being replaced by AI now. And those were all relegated to people who were uh, contract hired and for short-term jobs, six months to a year. And they were given to younger, inexperienced people and now they are being replaced by bots, chat bots and just automated task bots that are doing the work of uh, people who are relegated to menial jobs. We're seeing it everywhere from warehouses to drones to a whole load of things that are um, becoming very, very uh, jolting and disturbing to people on a certain level. And I'll have to point to a recent Instagram post by Patton Oswalt. And he said, I took a pic inside this fully automated human-less Pinkberry across from the Hollywood Improv tonight. Then I stepped outside to go to do my set and this delivery robot crossed my path. Feels like the end of something, only it's painted in soothing colors. And I can't agree with them anymore. And uh, there was a video of a four-wheeled robot with a little pennant or a flag at the end of it as it's going on the sidewalk. It's crossing the street and moving along the sidewalk in uh, Hollywood. So that was uh, a, a little on the jolting side, I think, for a lot of people. But uh, the whole thing about AI is that it's uh, being really focused on uh, people entertainment who are worried about their likenesses. But I've also recently heard uh, a cover of Billie Jean, the Michael Jackson song. And it was credited as being Rick Astley. Although it really wasn't Rick Astley doing the cover. It was Rick Astley's voice that had been sampled and it was AI generated over the track of Billie Jean. And I was really shocked when I found out after the fact that Rick Astley did not actually perform that song. He may do it in public, he may do it in live performances, but he definitely didn't do it for this recording, which was a little on the disturbing side because it was quite convincing. So uh, aside from uh, this being uh, a, a jolting and shocking experience to a lot of people who are just now starting to reconcile and come to terms with AI and the need for upscaling and the fact that many people just may not actually have the aptitude to learn how to do AI prompting, and they might be out of a job. Or if they are doing something that requires uh, them to work with AI, I think they feel the, the, the coming apocalypse looming. And uh, it, a lot of people had been complaining for a very long time about uh, jobs being outsourced. Now, I worked uh, in, in media uh, for many years, and uh, many of the jobs were outsourced. We had a few managers 
working with remote teams in, in Mexico and in India and in Belarus. And all of those people were smart and bright and hardworking. And uh, they were doing their best and they were making contributions and they knew what they were doing. But they worked for pennies on the dollar. So you were getting dozens, if not hundreds of people to do what you would pay a relatively small team in New York to do for less than what you would pay all of them combined. So this is something that is, uh, uh, I think it had it sort of like blunted the, the impact or the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the coming, you know, looming <laughs> fear of AI as uh, because we had been seeing it in things like Google Maps and in chatbots and things that were re really, you know, innocuous and inoffensive or helpful. And then when you see it threatening you, it becomes something different altogether. And uh, that had been blunted, I think, somewhat by the fact that we work with so many people who outsource. And I know that at least one of the major uh, video streamers uh, uh, did all of their front-end work in America, but all of the back-end was done in China when it was created. So this is something that's been around for quite some time. It's just going from cheaply paid, uh, uh, high-skilled labor to automated. And uh, this is what's freaking people out. Now, uh, there is two articles. One comes from uh, the New York Times, and one is from The Guardian UK. The Guardian UK says, major economies are on the cusp of an AI revolution that could trigger job losses in skilled professions such as law, medicine, and finance, according to an influential international organization. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, said the occupations at highest risk from AI-driven automation were highly skilled jobs and represented about 27% of employment across its 38 member countries, which include the UK, Japan, Germany, the US, Australia, and Canada. The body said it was clear that the potential for AI-driven jobs substitution remains significant, raising fears of decreasing wages and job losses. However, it added that for the time being, AI was changing jobs rather than replacing them. Occupations in finance, medicine, and legal activities, which often require many years of education and whose core functions rely on accumulated experience to reach decisions, may suddenly find themselves at risk of automation from AI, said the OECD. It added that highly skilled occupations were most exposed to AI-powered automation, such as workers in the fields of law, culture, science, engineering, and business. AI breakthroughs had resulted in cases where output from AI tools, such as ChatGPT, was indistinguishable from that of humans. As a result, major economies could be at a tipping point, the OECD said. These rapid developments, combined with the falling costs of producing and adopting these new technologies, suggest that OECD economies may be on the cusp of an AI revolution which could fundamentally change the workplace, the organization said in its 2023 Employment Outlook, which refers to an urgent need to act on AI. 
the Paris-based body said, urgent action is required to make sure AI is used responsibly and in a trustworthy way in the workplace. It said the UK, Luxembourg, and Sweden had the lowest shares of employment in the occupations at highest risk, with the US also at the lower end of the scale, while Hungary, Slovakia, Poland, and the Czech Republic had the highest shares, with Germany and Italy also at the higher end of the table. The OECD said the data indicated that economies were on the brink of a revolution rather than being in the midst of one, with the share of firms that had adopted AI remaining in the single digits due in part to issues related to cost and workforce skills. The OECD added that while AI had the potential to eliminate boring or dangerous tasks and create interesting ones instead, firms were open about the fact that a main motivation for investing in AI was improving worker performance and reducing staff costs. As a consequence, well-paid jobs requiring high-end education could suffer most. The OECD also outlined risks associated with the likelihood of AI's growing influence over the workplace. Those included AI tools making hiring decisions with the risk of falling foul of biased AI-driven decisions greater for some socio-demographic groups who were often disadvantaged in the labor market already. Evidence of gender and racial bias in AI-powered hiring processes has emerged in recent years and the issue of AI-driven prejudice has become one of the key safety concerns about the technology. Well, that is something to be concerned about. And from what I've been learning, one of the major concerns is removing bias because everyone has an inherent bias and the people who program AI have an inherent bias whether they know it or not. So that is quite a valid and salient point. Now, from the New York Times, for the six years he worked on The Mentalist, beginning in 2009, Jordan Harper's job was far more than a writing gig. He and his colleagues in the writer's room in the weekly CBS drama were heavily involved in production. They weighed in on costumes and props, lingered on the set, provided feedback to actors and directors. The job lasted most of a year. But by 2018, when he worked on Hightown, a drama for stars, the business of television writing had changed substantially. The writers spent about 20 weeks cranking out scripts, at which point most of their contracts ended, leaving many to scramble for additional work. The job of overseeing the filming and editing fell largely to the showrunner, the writer-producer in charge of a series. On a show like The Mentalist, We'd all go to set, Mr. Harper said. Now the other writers are cut free. Only the showrunner and possibly one other writer are kept on board. Separation between writing and production, increasingly common in the streaming era, is one issue at the heart of the strike begun in May by roughly 11,500 Hollywood writers. They say the new approach requires more frequent job changes, making their work less steady, and has lowered writers' earnings. Mr. Harper estimated that his income was less than half what it was seven years ago. While their union, the Writers Guild of America, has sought guarantees 
that each show will employ a minimum number of writers through the production process, the major studios have said such proposals are incompatible with the creative nature of our industry. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which bargains on behalf of Hollywood Studios, declined to comment further. SAG-AFTRA, the actors' union that went on strike last week, said its members had also felt the effects of the streaming era. While many acting jobs had long been shorter than those of writers, the union's executive director, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, said studios' extreme level of efficiency management (laughs) had led shows to break roles into smaller chunks and compress character storylines. Sounds just like outsourcing jobs in the tech sector. But Hollywood is far from the only industry to have provided over such change, which reflects a long-term pattern, the fracturing of work into many smaller, more degraded, poorly paid jobs, as the labor historian Jason Resnikoff has put it. Now, I said it as uh, managing expectations when you see people who are 23 and 24 years old who are being underpaid to work at a contract job for six months to a year, and they have minimal responsibilities, and they are managed by people who know what to expect from them, and they amalgamate the work, and they put, the, they put everything together, and uh, what gets done gets done. But there's no loyalty, or, and there's no prospect of advancement, and, and pay increases, or any of the perks and uh, uh, rewards that came from being a loyal, hardworking, devoted employer before. This appears to be disappearing and disintegrating in front of us right now. In recent decades, the shift has affected highly trained white-collar workers as well. Large law firms have relatively fewer equity partners and more lawyers off the standard partner track. According to data from ALM, the legal media and intelligence company, universities employ fewer tenured professors as a share of their faculty and more untenured instructors. Large tech companies hire relatively fewer engineers while raising armies of temps and contractors to test software, label web pages, and do low-level programming, as I said. Over time, said Dr. Reznikoff, an assistant professor at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands, you get this tiered workforce of prestige workers and lesser workers, fewer officers, more grunts. The writer's experience shows how destabilizing that change can be. The strategy of breaking up complex jobs into simpler, lower-paid tasks has roots in meatpacking and manufacturing. At the turn of the 20th century, automobiles were produced largely in artisanal fashion by small teams of highly skilled all-around mechanics who helped assemble a variety of components and systems, ignition, axles, transmission, etc., By 1914, Ford Motor had repeatedly divided and subdivided these jobs, spreading more than 150 men across a vast assembly line. The workers typically performed a few simple tasks over and over. For decades, making television shows was similar in some ways to the early days of automaking. A team of writers would be involved in all parts of the production. Many of those who wrote scripts were also on set, and they often helped edit and polish the show into its final form. The all-around approach has multiple benefits, writers say. Not least, it improved the quality of the show. You can write a voice in your head, but if you don't hear it, 
said Erica Weiss, a co-showrunner of the CBS series, The Red Line, you don't actually know how it works. Miss Weiss said that having her writers on the set allowed them to rework lines after the actor's table read or rewrite a scene if it suddenly moved indoors. She and other writers and showrunners said the system also taught young writers how to oversee a show, essentially grooming apprentices to become master craftspeople of their day. But it is increasingly rare for writers to be on set. As in manufacturing, the job of making television shows is being broken down into more discrete tasks. In most streaming shows, the writer's contracts expire before the filming begins. And even many cable and network shows now seek to separate writing from production. It was a good experience, but I didn't get to go to set, said Mae Smith, a writer on the final season of the Showtime series Billions. There wasn't money to pay for me to go, even for an established seven season show. Now, how about that? So we're seeing the beginning of something. And I'm telling you guys, uh, they have been telling us about this for a long time. We haven't been paying attention. It's just the same thing uh, as, as many other things in life. When it finally hits us, we act all surprised and stunned. But I can tell you, I live next door to the building uh, that houses uh, Schmidt Futures, which was founded by Eric Schmidt, one of the CEOs of Google. And since uh, at least 2011, he has been banging the drum for AI to the entire world. It's our fault we didn't listen. We're going to have to do some catching up real quick and figure out what to do in between losing our jobs to an AI bot and learning new skills. It's going to be tough for a lot of us. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out. Peace out.